position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, if you have a game, and it is good, then get time and it will be my That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals, uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the next game on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors, welcome to episode number 392 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, being recorded for you on this uh, uh, Saturday, the 30th of April, 2022, at uh, 8.16pm, left coast, coast with the most Pacific time, crack engineer, wapow, Ivor Molina over there in the booth. He is looking exhausted because, of course, Ivor mm, has not been allowed to return home for the last six months as he's been the audio engineer on our forthcoming release, Dracula Factory, my band, which consists entirely of me, uh, our second album, our the follow-up to our critically acclaimed uh wildly popular previous uh, first album, which is unreleased, uh, spurring us on. Uh, so he's been working overtime, but we are finally done. We have finished the album. It is looking uh, like a Mother's Day release, if it is not rejected by CD Baby, which I think it probably will be, but that's okay. Ivor, you're fired! That's the point. Put down the whiskey sign. Actually, just leave it up. Just leave it up. 
Just leave. It's all. It's the only thing you've ever been good for. So he's holding up the whiskey sign. We must. We hear and obey, Ivor. Thank you for. Oh, I know you still can't go home. Hmm. Hence the purpose of the chains. From in my dreams, motherfucker. Um. Hmm. I would, of course, make it for our sequel, friends. 2022 0430 at 2014 hundred hours. Uh, excuse me. Whoa. We have uh, lots of new and noteworthies for you this week. Uh, it's kind of I've harvested a bunch of games that have gone under the radar in terms of being mentioned on this show for the last, you know, it's like two to I think maybe the oldest one is about a month old, so we, we're going to do a little housekeeping and, and catch you up to date with a bunch of those. Um, and then we have a feature on Instruments of Destruction, which has got a massive update. Not a review, a feature. Instruments of Destruction, which is probably my favorite game that I'm playing right now. Um, I have logged, let's see, I got 57 hours in this fucking game, and why doesn't it say, uh, I wish I could see where it showed me on the Jesus doll where I where it touched me. Because it did. It touched me deep down inside of my special bathing suit area. Um, really wor- it gave me a workout down there. Oh, it was great. Uh, <laughs> this is a 30 Rock reference. Jesus. Um, but before we get to that, we have two uh, things. I fucked up last week's episode by not mentioning that this week you know the week that followed last week's episode which came out on Friday um we would miss Ian Murdoch day which is a holiday that I invented um Ian Murdoch was born on April 28th 1973 died in 2015 um and I always mark Ian Murdoch Day. Uh, since I invented the holiday, I hope it catches on. Um, for those of you who don't know, so we're going to take a little moment to talk about Ian Murdoch here. Um, because we are all the beneficiaries of his legacy. Ian Murdoch was the Ian in Debian. And uh, without his work, we would not have the we would not have Ubuntu. I mean, it's because Debian, Mandrake, Ubuntu, and Debian, Debian throughout, Debian forever. Um, which was a new approach to Linux. It was a modern desktop general computing approach to Linux to make Linux as easy to the dream has always been and I think it's been fulfilled to a great extent by Ubuntu which is built off of Debian although now it now it's you know whatever but Ubuntu owes everything to Debian um we owe everything to Debian you know it goes like Linus Torvalds Richard Stallman And Ian Murdoch. And uh, it's just crushing that we lost him 
at such a young age, I mean... <laughs> such a young age, he, you know, could have... Um, could have... Uh, could have... I, I, you know, it's weird because there's not much that he didn't do in terms of Linux. In terms of the importance of bringing Linux to everybody. And that was... Uh, we, in our show notes, we'll have a link. I'll try to find the link to uh, the amazing flowchart. Um, if you've not seen this flowchart, it's my my fi- it's it's so great. It is the genealogy of Linux via distribution, and it is a huge vertical stack of hundreds of multicolored lines, and they almost all go back to one major branch which is Debian it was like Debian, uh, Slackware and Arch um, and uh, Amphidora and Seuss Th- those are like, that's like pretty much the entire but then there's all of these branches that explode out of them and uh, all you have to do is look at that chart uh, to know what a what an exceptional contribution to not just computer science but to humanity and uh, and to bringing the power and freedom of open source programming to <laughs> you know uh, to to uh, to to a level of simplicity that we still have yet to attain. It's still aspirational in some respects, but we get better. This is what we do. This is what the FOSS ideosphere does. So we solve problems. We move. First, it seems like we're not moving at all, but we're moving. And bam! Well, actually, not bam. Something happens. Something large gets released something new and exciting comes about and it changes everything uh you know like think about like uh docker debian um steam adopting linux uh gimp the release of gimp i remember when gimp was i watched on usenet as the first people who came together to make GIMP, which is a workalike at the time of probably the most expensive and difficult to, uh, and, uh, difficult. It was the most expensive and most complicated piece of most widely used software, uh, on both home and most businesses' workstations. And it was so expensive back then. Uh, and I thought they were crazy and I didn't believe this is like 19 this is back when you know I had Linux running uh, but I, I ironically I only read Usenet on um, on my Windows machine but uh, on my Windows you know I was dual booting at the time you know this is 1996 1990, no this is 1998 I want to say maybe 97 because I was on Linux by 97 Mandrake where you couldn't do anything with it. I mean, if you could get it to run, which I eventually did, there's nothing to do with it. 
Like, <laughs> you couldn't do anything with it. And it, this is before X11. So, like, you know, you got booted to a console prompt. It was awesome. <laughs> you got to learn Vi and Emacs and play games in Emacs. <laughs> oh, man. It's why I don't go in for Holy Wars, because I've been on both sides of them <laughs> for <laughs> at one time in my life or another. And at this point, I'm just like, whatever floats your boat. And personally, I. <laughs> I loved Cream for a bunch of years, which is based off of Vim, which is based off of Vi. Um, <laughs> now we have Nano versus Pico. And that's just like a purely ridiculous <laughs> But anyway, I thought that they were crazy. They were talking about I remember asking one question in that in that in in, in that in that uh uh news group when I saw this thread about making a workalike to Adobe's fucking flagship software, I asked, well, how are you guys, who's going to pay these guys? This sounds insane. And like, no, we'll do it in our spare time. And they got 15 programmers, they got 30 programmers, they got 100 programmers, and years went by about two or three years and then suddenly there was GIMP and we had X11 by then we had a full Windows like graphical user interface and then GIMP came out and I cried I seriously cried because it was a revelation up until then all of the free and open source software talk about you know, it's a, it's, it's a freewheeling, non-hierarchical, self-adapting, uh, volunteer, free and open source software thing where anyone can control. What are you talking about? What is this idea of the false idiosphere? What is this idea of freeze and free, freeze and freedom, not freeze and beer? What, what does that mean? These are catchy slogans. But then GIMP came out. And I, that was my conversion moment because I understood suddenly that, you know, and, and that's everything that we do. And no one embodied that, um, no one embodied that more than Ian Murdoch. So cheers to Ian Murdoch. Happy Ian Murdoch day. We, we miss him. We wish we had him longer, but holy shit. You want to talk about a consequential life? We all owe a massive debt to Ian Murdoch. So cheers to Ian Murdoch. We miss you. Also, before we get on to our new and noteworthy extravaganza, we got a ton of good games this week. Uh, two other things. One, uh, please check out the donation page link in the show uh, blurb for this week's episode. Uh, give what you can to help Ukrainian refugees and relief efforts uh, in this insane war that it's oh my god this insane genocidal war that looks like it's about to uh, it, uh, blossom into a new destructive and horrifying phase um, millions and millions of 
people have lost everything that they had and have fled to neighboring countries and they really need your help so anything you can anything you can give you know 10 or 20 bucks that's fine um there's a list of uh better business bureau accredited organizations we have a link to that list and find one that you know you like i mean you can do catholic relief services if you like catholic relief services um you know it has word catholic in it they they're not like they're not indoctrinating people and they do unbelievable work everywhere um in impoverished nations and in, in refugee crises, they've done work with malaria nets. They go to the worst places, the places in the worst trouble, is what I meant to say. Uh, and they bust their asses to to help people. That's what they do. Um, and there's a, and if that doesn't float your boat, there's other charities. All of them are all on this mega page. Just a reminder, if you can spare some scratch, I know inflation is, you know, everything is like a dollar more now. Oh, well, it's not that big of a, not that big of a crunch. More so at the, at, at, uh, the gas station. It's, it's, it's a little brutal. <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, this is, he's, you can help these people. Please do. They need it. And finally, before we get to our new noteworthy, welcome back, Master Splinter! After a long hiatus, a long sabbatical, um, he has returned. Uh, welcome back. Good to see you again, my old friend. Now, Ivor based him with a new noteworthy. Oh, brought to you by Dracula Factory's new release, with scheduled with a improbably improbable to reach the improbable star! Uh, <laughs> uh, with the improbable, unlikely, but scheduled wall clock date for release of Mother's Day, the 8th. Your mom is a slutty wizard. Uh, 600. By the way, the full title of the album is Your Mom is a Slutty Dracula Factory. The name of the band, DracularFactory.com, which has nothing on it yet, but will like over the next three days, the site will be built out. I have all the copy written down. I have the ideas and I've got the images and stuff. I just have to put it all together. Oh, Drupal. Ah, Drupal, you curse me. Why do you curse me? Why am I singing? Um but uh, the full so it's Dracula Factory's name of the band DraculaFactory.com is live but whatever uh, and the name of the album the full title of the album is I'm, tr- I'm doing this from memory and it's hard Your Mom is a Slutty Wizard 1 and 2 666 bit chiptune depravity in 5 parts that's the album title. Um, and it is 666 bits of chiptune fucking depravity. Uh, it's a... I'm, I, I've heard it so many times now and I've spent so many hours every day for the last six months working on it that I can't even... I don't even know if it's any good. 
anymore. I think, I think it's pretty fucking good. And I know at least it has really good moments. Maybe a couple, more than a couple, maybe like a few. So it's going to be worth buying. And I invite you all to purchase it on Mother's Day. Don't give it to your mom. Okay? Do not give your mom as a slutty wizard to your mom for Mother's Day. Get her flowers. Get her something nice. Get her a box of chocolates. Get her a dildo. Do not get her this album. Because it's all about... (laughs) Well, you'll see. You'll see. Because there will be samples available on the website. We're going to have all this media stuff on the website. Um, The marketing campaign is launching as of Monday. Um... Because we're probably going to miss the the deadline for our release Mother's Day. Especially if they reject us. But it has to go through this elaborate screening process through our publisher and uh, rights manager. So that's going to take like a week. I submitted it last night. It's going to take one to two weeks. So we'll see. It'll be amazing if they don't reject it it will be a miracle if they approve it before our release date and it will be astonishing in fact it is of such a low order of probability that any of the partners I have to set up relationships with like I think it's 60 different fucking online retailers like Amazon etc 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 some of which have their own elaborate submission processes that you know will happen concurrently anyway but first it's got to get our our publisher has to has to green light it I think they probably will not but it does not matter it's good enough just to have that just to say that it was released on Mother's Day. Of t- Your mom was a slutty wizard. Happy Mother's Day, mom. So yeah, uh, okay, so let's get Ivor Beeston with a new and noteworthy. We spent too much time talking about housekeeping and getting misty about Ian Murdoch. I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. So first up in our uh, new and noteworthy extravaganza of housekeeping, and these games, <coughs> excuse me, haven't been um, mentioned because they were like lesser games. It's just there's been no space in any episode um, as we've recovered, you know, blah. So don't don't think of this as like a slush pile or like you know, blah. This happens every four or five months, more or less, in this in the life cycle of this show, the yearly life cycle, which grinds on like a festival of madness. So, first up, in our new and noteworthy slush pile of carnage, I don't know why we're calling it of carnage, but I'm a former print journalist, damn it. So, everything has to have carnage in it. <laughs> you gotta have carnage! As they sang so famously in Damn Yankees. Um, first up, I have a stealth game for you. A first-person shooter stealth game with a Quake 1 era style bleak satanic graphics and enemies all wrapped up in like a nightmare of uh, 
roguelike proceed. I think it's procedurally. Let me make sure. Ivor, you're fired. Procedurally generated. Let's find out. What to say for themselves? Name of the game is Blood West. It's a roguelike first-person stealth shooter with emphasis on precision, sneaking, and really cool fucking environments and interesting enemies. Here's what they have to say about it. I I've pl- I, I own this game. I've played it. It it only supports mouse and keyboard right now. I mean, I, I have gotten um, a gamepad to work with it, but it doesn't work as well, and I don't know that gamepad support would ever even really be possible or fruitful for Blood West. Do not confuse Blood West with Weird West. Weird West is an entirely different game. I'm on my third hero in that game, by the way. Um, Blood West builds itself as an immersive stealth first-person shooter horror set in a wicked wild west brought back to life by strange native spirits you will explore and scavenge build up your arsenal and gain powerful perks, hunt your enemies quietly or meet them with guns blazing take back the frontier gunslinger, recent reviews 171, very positive all reviews, 712 overwhelmingly positive uh released February 10th, 2022, and it's still in early access, and they are still building off this game. It is phenomenal. It's one of those games where it's not just visual, but uh, the enemies have really good AI for detecting you. They're not, at least the ones that I've encountered, are not that smart, but they are extraordinarily deadly. So, like, I have an axe and there's like a seems like a lot of flexibility and a lot of role playing game elements to this game. I have an axe and I have a six shooter, and you have to reload each shell in the six shooter. But there's a skill tree where you can make it, where you can eventually upgrade your skills to the point where you could just fucking fan the hammer in the inverse, more or less, in terms of how fast you can reload your. Uh, blah blah. There's rifles. There's bows and arrows. There's shotguns. Um, but basically, it's really about hitting your opponent, using that stealth um, what do you call it? Um, Using that stealth advantage, you know, surprise speed, surprise, and violence of action to get that massive first hit silent kill bonus and to do that they have mapped out like it knows what a headshot with an axe is which is really cool and refreshing to finally see again in a game as opposed to like an arm or an elbow or whatever um, and then the gunplay is really good the graphics are are great and I even like the inventory system but I can't play it that much because uh, the carpal tunnel, you know, blah so that's Blood West Blood West is uh, <laughs> kudos to Hyper Strange uh, developer and publisher for, that's their is one and the same, Hyper Strange, for a great fucking name, and a pretty good game so far. Uh, Blood West is $14.99. It's in early access. <coughs> Up next, in our What Did We Miss? Uh, this game only made this list because it came out like two days ago. It's called Peglin, P 
P-E-G-L-I-N. And it has a free demo, which runs great on Linux. Um, otherwise, it's $17.99. I would not buy this game with your money, or nor would I buy it with mine. Um, but the free demo is worth playing. It's a combination of uh, Pachinko uh, and like a uh, like a deck building um, monster fighter. You have one hero, and uh, as you know, you complete the levels, you get choices for various different uh, power ups for your Pachinko ball which then the number of targets that you hit with your pachinko ball translates into the top part of the screen where, you know, you have like a lineup of enemies on the right and then you have your hero on the left and then he attacks for that much damage with the type of pachinko ball that he just used and all the targets that he hit with that ball equate to the damage, and then there's modifiers and bonus damage, and then there's boss fights, and there's treasure that give you new balls and stuff like that. And it's also a roguelike. Um, it has some severe problems, but I had a good time with it last night for, let's see, 85 minutes, and it's free. And right now, free is like a big draw for me. So, you got Blood West, we got Peglin, which you should not buy, and we have Action Sandbox, which I have not had enough time to really... I've gone through all of the tutorial videos. It takes about an hour to do that. They are far from complete, and they don't tell you how to really do all the coolest shit that you can do in this, but this is basically a combination of... I'm hoping it's the full realization of a game that I've been trying to do for a long time where it's literally uh like a like physics sandbox or what was the other goddamn game that we've talked about on this show oh god i can't remember but this game has a lot of sophisticated features to it it's not a game it's just you you create characters they're very easy to modify and has good steam workshop integration has a good interface too and the number of shit you can achieve with its sophisticated artificial intelligence aspects and your the ability to create your own animation cycles quickly and easily using stick figures, essentially, but stick figures that can bleed and can identify targets and can, you know, have their own run and walk cycles and stuff where you can make them yourself from scratch and can be remapped with uh, more realistic-looking parts, they can pick up guns, you can control them directly, they can drive vehicles that can fly they can uh, huge, you can make huge massive action set pieces it's my type of sandbox, but it is pretty complicated and a little opaque, but it's also cheap as fuck because I already I I've not had, like, great success yet with this game. I have made a character pick up a gun and shoot himself in the face. Um, which is funny. <laughs> but, um, anyway. Because uh, <laughs> he was supposed to shoot the other guy, but he <laughs> picks up the gun. 
and he blew his own fucking head off. It was hilarious. Uh, and there's so many fucking cra- like if you just look at their the patch videos that they post, uh, they're hilarious. But uh, Action Sandbox, which builds itself as a physics sandbox game for people who like to play with the di- digital toys, create control toys, and def- define your goals. That's like the world's worst description ever. It's from Vonasoft. Came out April twenty first, twenty twenty two. So it's been out for like a week. Um, but like it shows videos of like making mechanized robots, making vehicles that can be ridden and drove, and with like laser swords and uh, creating action kicks using portals to subdivide. Like you know, like now you're thinking with portals. Uh, you know, killing people with um. Cthulhu-like, demonic eyeball, floating eyeball things, making mechanized, walking robots, executing people with shotguns in like a, you know, side-scrolling shooter kind of thing. All of it's in 2D, which is great because that gives you a lot of freedom and simplicity for creating the animation. The animations, which I have played with quite a bit. I've not gotten my custom animations to actually work that great, but uh, it goes from like a small scale to a humongous scale. And gigantic explosions, all the good stuff, all the stuff that you really want. It's easy as fuck to modify any of the standard models just by using like fucking GIMP or anything else. It's not complicated. It's so easy. Or any other program you like. Krita. Krita would be perfect for this. Um, Action Sandbox is $9.99 not a review, just a little mention of Action Sandbox that's what all of these new, none of these are reviews okay keep that in mind, please keep that in mind at all times um, so that's Action Sandbox so we had Blood West, Peglin, Action Sandbox okay, so of all the games on this list, there's only one game that I've played less than this one, it's called Turbo Overkill and Turbo Overkill, I'm saving it. Uh, I'm I'm try- I, I've only played it for like 20 minutes. Um, Turbo Overkill has it looks great. It's super cool. It's a first person shooter that is like narrative driven. You know, static levels. It's an old school first person shooter with like a semi retro look and feel. But the weapons and the futuristic. Your name is John Turbo, I think, or something like that. Um, oh god, man, this page is a mess. I have a ton of fucking hot fixes and shit. It's still in early access. There is a free demo of Turbo Overkill. You should go get that now and play it. Or you can buy the game, which I did, for $19.99. And Turbo Overkill builds itself. It's it's really cool. It's fun. It's very fast-paced, very, very shooty in like a super cool um, Duke Nukem 3D-esque but far-flung futuristic Blade Runner style future. Okay, so here's what they have to say. Johnny Turbo needs to clean up Paradise, a cyber city overrun by augmented minions under the cult control of the world's most advanced AI. Sin. Oh, sounds like Sh- uh, Shonan. Uh, who's looking to expand to world domination not stopped here and now. Wall running, turbo time, chainsaw leg augments, flying cars, and lots and lots of booms. And I don't know if this is affiliated with the original Apogee Entertainment, uh, the pre-epic uh, Apogee Entertainment, but it does run great on Linux. 
It's published by Apogee Entertainment, and its developer's name is Trigger Happy Interactive. 20 bucks for the full game, if you like it, but you can get the free demo. Runs great. Test it out, try it. It has a unique personality and a lot of fun action. Um, and it, whoa, that's cool. I'm looking at the video from, cause I've only played like, I played point one hours, but this came out April 22nd. All this stuff came out fairly recently, I guess, except, well, especially our last item on our list before we get to our instruments of destruction feature. It's the instruments of destruction massive update feature. This item, I know we are not the worst Linux games podcast. We're the best Linux games podcast because we only give you games that are really good. It's all we talk about. We try to spend 95% of our... But this game so totally offended me with its existence. And no, I have not played it. And no, I am not going to play it. Which is like complete opposites day. That's like opposite of everything that we do here. Like I only talk about games that I've, you know, generally really played a lot of. I only review games. I have a very fuck, we have a very strict fucking, uh, review policy with rules that we follow and have followed for forever. But I have to mention this terrible, odious release because it's just too funny kind of in the same spirit that when we covered uh, the last Tetris game where they tried to charge you $50 for virtual reality multiplayer Tetris. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Not. So those of you of a certain age, meaning old as fuck, like uh, myself and former friend uh, Joe Jokimon Kendall, um, who we don't talk to anymore, uh, will remember... You arcade rats, those of you who grew up being arcade rats, who hit your teens and mid-teens and then could drive and went to the arcades of your town. Got here in Vegas, we had Mary Kay's, which was phenomenal. You will remember a light gun shooter. For those of you who don't know what that means... Uh, a light gun shooter bounces a laser that is read by cameras on the screen uh, which is set at a certain distance away from the player so you can use a gun with a fucking power cable attached to it to uh, shoot like Time Crisis, you might remember Time Crisis or Time Crisis 2 or actually Time Crisis 3 was pretty good Time Crisis 2 was my favorite because I was the god of Time Crisis 2. But anyway, you might remember an awful game that we spent too much time and too much money playing called House of the Dead. House of the Dead is a zombie game where, you know, you have no control over your player. It's first person. You and a partner can team up to take on the zombies in the house of the dead, getting headshots and doing um, extremely well gives you better endings and taking you have a couple of opportunities to take different paths because it's all House of the Dead. Yeah, House of the Dead was a terrible fucking game. House of the Dead 2 was much better. This game that we're talking about here, I don't know why we're wasting our time. Ivor, you're fired is the House of the Dead remake they didn't even bother to say remade. 
And they're like, oh, just remake. And we don't give a fuck. We got the rights. We, oh, we're going to put it out there again. This game does not support virtual reality headsets. This game does not support light guns at all. This game is a controller-based game. <laughs> it builds itself as... Oh, it just looks like the most blatant cash grab. Remake is a remade version of the game introduced in 1997 in arcade platform. It classic arcade rail shooter receives a whole new entourage and gameplay changes to suit modern gaming standards. Those thoughts are incompatible. They are not. <laughs> Those things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> oh, good, a rail shooter. And what's even more insulting is they want, it's 10% off. They want 24 bucks for it. $20, $22.49 for it. Fuck you! It does look prettier, but to not even have a light gun? <laughs> Fuck you! So if you missed House of the Dead, please miss it again with House of the Dead Remake. That's <laughs> what it's called. Remake. Ah, just remake House of the Dead! It's <laughs> most asinine thing I've seen since that Tetris game. Wait, hang on, let's find out what the name of that... Thank you, Ivor, you're fired for putting this in. Tetris Effect Connected! Fuck you! Tetris Effect... Oh, it looks like they dropped the price permanently on Tetris Effect Connected so you can play virtual reality Tetris with your friends! (laughs) It's only 24 bucks! Oh no! It is 40% off through through now through May 11th. It's normally forty bucks. It's twenty three dollars a night. <laughs> yeah, like you haven't paid for Tetris before, <laughs> but now it's Tetris in virtual reality. All right, so let's get. I've replaced him with the. <laughs> that concludes our new and noteworthy roundup. Uh, our new and new and noteworthy roundup for so actually most of those games were actually really new. I think the oldest one is like Blood West, which came out on like February tenth. Yeah, it came out February 10th. And when the fuck did... See, I've already... Oh, Jesus. You're so fucking fired. No! Don't launch the game! No! Oh, man. Freudian slip of my finger. April 21st. Yeah, so all these came out basically like this week. In the last 10 days. So, you can forgive me for having quite the slush pile. And Blood West took me a while to get to. Alright, based on the feature, let's talk some instruments of destruction. Massive update. So, we've only done this a few times, but for this game, it seems like it might become just like a running trend. There might be like a monthly update. Like, done this with Seven Days to Die, which we don't talk about anymore for reasons that we won't go into here, because it's a material to Instruments of Destruction. But we've already run a feature on Instruments of Destruction, and we've given it many mentions, pro- protracted men- mentions on this show, uh, which is why we saved this for the end. But it's gone through a major feature update. It's still in early access. But beyond that, we're trying to get an inter- we're trying to secure a date for an interview with uh, 
Luke, the developer behind Instruments of Destruction from Radiant Games, because it is my favorite game that I'm playing right now. I spend more time playing Instruments of Destruction on a nightly basis than I for like the last 10 days. And I'm, I want to tell you why, but it did also just go through a massive update, which, okay, so what is Instruments of Destruction? For the uninitiated, Instruments of Destruction, this is a feature, by the way. We're going to wait until, it's going to be until 2023. That's the developer roadmap for when this game is going to hit 1.0 and leave early access. So there will be lots of updates about Instruments, instruments of Destruction. I'm still waiting on my ailerons. But anyway, Here's the deal. Instruments of Destruction presents you with a bunch of buildings. And there's also an editor where you can create your own buildings and your own islands. Um, these buildings have realistic components. And they can be destroyed realistically. So you start with a cab. Like a control cab. You know, like a, like, you know, like where the operator sits. And that's the only part. And then you build using an infinite variety of build parts um, each of which has a price and a weight using the game's realistic physics and destruction engine to find the most you know, efficient, at first it, the goal is efficiency, but then it eventually becomes novelty then it becomes insanity because Instruments of Destruction was originally designed, and this is something that Luke said in a uh, <clears throat> in an esteemed discussion where uh, that I read uh, late last week someone was talking about how the game lacks sophisticated features in the editor when you're building your you know instrument of destruction uh, for like selecting and copying parts and mirroring uh, you can mirror parts that's easy and the guy has a point in, on the one hand but on the other, once you learn like a couple of key shortcuts and tricks to on how to use mirroring correctly, it is the fastest build to destroy game I've ever played. You don't build the buildings. You build the actual I think of them as robots because that's kind of what I go for. But I you build the actual demo, demolition uh, heavy machinery that's gonna take these buildings down, motherfucker, once and for all, because this time it's personal. A building killed my partner once, man! It was ten fucking years from retirement, and he killed him! He took my thumbs, Charlie! They took my fucking thumbs! So, is it... <laughs> yeah. So, what, what What kind of instruments are you? Uh, well, you can... So, here's what, here's what Luke said in reply to this guy who had a... <laughs> on the surface, it seems like an accurate critique, but realistically, like when you get into the way the builder works, the way the editor works, where you spend most of your time until you get good at the game, meaning good at the game, meaning like you can build stuff, you can imagine stuff. This is how I go to sleep every night. I don't think about fucking my old ex girlfriend anymore, or, you know, not her, like her, um, you know, any girl or that I met. Or I do think about that, but th but then my mind, as I'm trying to go to sleep, wanders back to Instruments of Destruction, and once you can execute those designs that you get in your head effectively, 
and it's it's an experiment the whole game is about experimentation which is what I love so much about it but it gives you all the tools to build things that you did not think could be built inside of a great physics engine and the way the buildings explode and break apart it's fucking awesome so Luke said something very telling in reply to that um that guy, who has on the surface a very accurate critique, but one of my favorite things about Instruments of Destruction is that once you learn these few simple tricks and stuff about uh, you know, in terms of how to manipulate parts in the editor, the editor is the, f- you, I can build something in 45 minutes that has like 500 parts and is insanely complicated, most of them moving parts, like we're talking like control arms that lead to, uh, pivots that lead to more extendable arms that lead to fingers that branch out into more extendable arms and pivots into digits into giant hands that end in magnet claws that extend 50 feet after I lock the building after I lock the the robot to the ground using um uh, pivot points to uh, make extendable supports and feet to that you know slide in under slide out and then down from underneath the tank treads so that we're not just using our tank treads anymore. We are now locked to the ground and then just crushes us, city. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. So, what one of the most telling things I think it's such a cool thing is Luke replied to that guy and said. I totally understand where you're, if what you, he actually had to disambiguate the question first. He was like, well, you know, if what you mean is that the editor sucks, then you're wrong. You know, you're, 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 you're wrong. It's, it's exactly the, the, but if what you mean is the editor lacks sophisticated features like multi-part selection and then grouping and then copying and pasting, you're absolutely correct. And the reason that this has happened is that I designed this game originally to be about building very small demolition machines, mainly with saws or with wrecking balls. That's why he has such a robust physics engine in the game. Um, against realistic buildings at scale. And what has happened over the when did this he said what what happened though with the development was that there was a lot of he called it feature bloat I call it feature awesome game came out into early access on March 2nd so this is still a very young game this guy will he is Luke is just like fucking churning out the goodness in the updates, massive updates. He added the fucking building editor, which I have not really gotten to. I've not gotten anything resembling a satisfying result out of the building editor. It's buggy as fuck, but that's okay because you don't need it. He's added so many new parts. He keeps adding new parts, but so he went on and said he called it feature bloat. But then he said something very telling. He said the early access community especially after we added workshop support, has exploded my concept of what this game could be and what it actually is right now. And one thing that it doesn't need, I mean, 
it'd be great to have multiple part selectors and grouping and then you could carbon yeah. you don't need it if you know how once you learn how to build it takes a little bit of time to learn it's so fast though and the coolest thing is you can add anim- you can add controller input to any individual part or as many individual parts as you want provided that they have you know provided that they move like we're talking about pivots blah jet engines the variety of parts is so extreme and the physics engine is so tight that it is every day I come up with a new design of something absolutely insane I'm like ah I bet that'll work in instruments of destruction and sometimes I have to you know draw it out I've still yet to get a really functional ATST walker, but someone built and designed a fully functional AT-AT walker. It's easier to do because it has a uh, a better center of gravity, which works with the physics engine a little nicer. But um, so last week I discovered it's basically like two weeks ago I discovered this the vehicle showcase. And then I figured out how to load and upload my creations. I figured out how to download and use uh, Steam Workshop creations. And then this week I went into full-blown YouTube fucking madness. Because every couple of weeks, Radiant Games, Luke, the developer, puts out a challenge for the best workshop content based around one part. This week it's skids, one part or one design concept. Uh, la- the last one was Worms, and he posted a video that he edited himself of his favorite selections of him playing using those vehicles from the Steam Workshop, naming them and their creator. In uh, you know, he doesn't talk on these. The Worms video that he put. It's the only way I knew that there were there were these challenges that he was doing. Um, he put the video inside the patch notes for the massive update that he did last week, and thus I saw the full depth and breadth of craziness that you can build. The Worms video is linked. His official selections for the Worms, you know, trial thing, the Worms, you know, pseudo contest, which there's no winner. Everyone in that video is a winner for fucking psychopath of the month. It is so crazy the shit you can build. I can't even describe some of these mechanisms that these that 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 some of these designers use to build worms. They're flying worms. They're worms that burrow through buildings. They're worms that wrap around buildings like snakes and then boa constrict and crush them. They're worms that work like centipedes with giant crushing jaws. It's four minutes of video that you will not want to miss and it totally evinces how flexible and powerful this absurdly easy to use even a child could learn how it is requires no programming it is so easy to map a button or an input to a component to adjust the way that component behaves um, to adjust its power to restrict its range of rotation blah 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 so I have my mind blown we're gonna go uh, yeah I I know we're running late we're gonna go an hour and 15 because we got a 
squeeze this in and I, I have a lot to talk about in terms of instrument destruction. So what so after seeing all so then I saw so I saw the worms video and then I found this guy uh, Scrapman who is like the unofficial YouTube documentarian of all things instruments just instruments of destruction. He does they're kind of a comedy cuz the game is basically experimental. The the in-game tutorial is very lacking. But eventually, through trial and error, experimentation and stuff, and then watching a bunch of these videos, and then looking at the showcase vehicles that come with the game, or, you know, just browsing the workshop for the most popular stuff, you can figure out, you can see, you you get, you get new ideas for new techniques and stuff, and I'm going to talk about some of those that I, I built this week. I published, I think, three designs to the Steam Workshop in Instruments of Destruction this week after having my mind blown by all this shit, but um, what was I, I, I was, so then I found Scrapman's videos, and he kind of does the experimentation for you in quotidian form, they're not necessarily tutorials, they're more like watching him fuck around with the game, but they're tight and punchy, and they're not anywhere near as long as you would expect them to be, and uh, so after this most recent update which introduced which introduced attachers lasers flex beams and a new type of flexible pivot that um, is very difficult to describe over the radio or over the internet in a voice only podcast Um, and something else along with a ton of bug fixes, and this is what this guy is doing, like, when he is burnt out from working on, like, actual game, because right now he spent the last three weeks focusing on the editor. He wants to make the editor, the structures editor, um, easier to use and more viable and, you know, less buggy. Good luck with that, but fuck! This game is amazing. So, here are some of the designs I've made. And this is, you know, again, this is a visual nightmare. This is a visual game because it, really, it's all about the the feeling of the destruction of the buildings, which feels so good and it feels so accurate. And they explode into so many parts and pieces, and it's all very realistic. Concrete parts break and shatter into uh, into rocks and bricks and and uh, iron girders can be... Anyway. So, here's some techniques that I learned this week. Last night I made... We'll start with what I made last night. Last night I made a thing called the leveler. And it's my second laser, major laser, major laser instrument of destruction. It took me about 45 minutes, 45 minutes to make when I was drunk and extraordinarily stoned and I was shit hammered drunk. This was like two nights ago at like five o'clock in the morning. The leveler has two sets of tank treads. And on the front set of tank treads, there are pivots that go left and right. So they and they work. Uh, one is reversed. So when you press uh, right bumper or left bumper, th- the pivots will point towards the vehicle's center. Okay, I've restricted the movement on those pivots towards the center to only forty-five degrees. They have 
145 degrees of range. I left the maximum there so that when they're at their maximum, when they spread away from the center, they go at about a 35 degree angle, um, uh, 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 75 degree angle away from the center. So it's like a scissor, okay? Then I put a bunch of attachers onto the end of those pivots. And those pivots are right on the massive tank treads that I use to move the vehicle around. It has a range that exceeds... It has... The range of the lasers are enormous. I made them super strong. So on the end of each one of these pivots, I put three lasers so that they become scissors and because they're so close to the ground they can cut on the on the sandbox island right now there are six buildings six four main structures and two substructures that are towers the main structures are like office buildings they're like you know 16 stories tall they're big fucking buildings not without a foundation, not when I'm firing six lasers into you. And so what you do is you get in position because the goal is, for me in this game, is to create the most destructive, fucking insane thing that I can. The thing that will destroy the most, the fastest, and the most spectacular fashion ever. So if you look at the image for this week's episode, it's going to be of what this design, the leveler, looks like, because what he does is he cuts, you get him into position, you center him, basically, in front of all the constructions, with his lasers pointing out, they don't have to be on, you can turn them on, but then you cross them a little bit, then you turn them on, and then you fan them out, left and right, slowly, until you can see them coming out of the back of the next structure. That means you've punched a hole in it. Then you can just slowly widen them and they will cut through the foundations of all of the buildings at once. And then all the buildings come imploding down on themselves as the, with, cause you know, now they don't have, uh, the foundation anymore. It's like chopping out the first floor of every building. So it's total annihilation. It takes about 30 to 45 seconds for me if I'm really really good, really sharp on the on the controls. Which is very easy and I tuned it. I, I mean, I did all of this in under 45 minutes and I was shit hammered. So okay, so you're like, alright, well that's lasers. That's a new part, by the way, and they're hyper expensive in the game. Uh, meaning that like they, because you have two major cost considerations in the main campaign, which is not much of a main campaign, but it's cost and then weight and number of parts. The parts that you can use is capped at 1,000 parts. I have the most I've ever gotten was like 400, so it's like almost halfway there, and that thing took four hours to build. So the other thing that I learned but that, that was my design. That was like completely my design. I'm like the leveler. Because normally what I would do is I would put giant saws down there and then I you know, have to drive up to it and then you would cut the building and you cut right through the building because these saws are giant. They are like, you know, 180 meters 
It's well, no, it's about ninety meters in width. The giant ones are huge in diameter. I mean, they're enormous. Like that is like the size of a building. Um, but this is so much more elegant, and they cross over each other, so they're doubly powerful, and they don't miss anything because as you spread them apart, as you, it's like you know, you're opening the scissors, and you're closing the scissors, and they they cross. In the inverse from the way scissors work. That's what I that's what I meant to say. So, like anyway, you'll see a picture of what this video of what this vehicle looks like, the leveler looks like if you were standing in front of it when it starts to fire, uh, as this episode's image. If that makes sense. So the other thing I learned how to use effectively. Finally, we're magnets. Magnets have been in the game since almost the very beginning. Mm. But they don't attach to your vehicle and they can't attach to each other. And so I never got the point of fucking magnets until I ended up on this YouTube odyssey and then I saw and then I built stealing this idea from several other people and then re-spinning it into my own design <coughs> you know so yeah it's derivative but everything that you make is still yours it's so cool you know you don't have to worry about copying someone else's design everyone's having pretty much a lot of the same ideas but no the game is so complicated the game is not complicated the game is so simple and so powerful it gives you infinite complexity to make whatever the fuck you want I've already made shit that no one else has made I have seen shit that I've never even conceived of making and so it's like this great giant work field where you can not just it's not stealing ideas you can use that same technique that this guy shows you and you know and so and you upload your vehicle to the steam workshop and the best stuff rises to the top and you know I've I've submitted several vehicles that I've submitted a couple of vehicles that suck but I've also submitted some that are really 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 good um one of which uh, I'll tell you about now so magnets what what do magnets actually fucking do? The only part that they attach to is a metal ball that cannot be attached to your vehicle. So you can't attach it to chains. You can't... No, you can't. But if you build a little box around the metal ball and you build a giant magnet array and you put saws on the on the box around the ball, you know, whatever the fuck you want around. The, you put rockets on the box around, the, which is normally what I I used to do. Bam! You have a launchable item that can be fired at ballistic speed at enormous scale at buildings. That's the trivial use of rockets. That's the less trivial use of of, of magnets. The real use of magnets is you build a black hole generator. The best model of this is called the Singularity Generator. And it's more complicated than any of the ones that I built. I built three of these guys now, and they are fun to build. You build a magnet array 
where the magnets face inwards, downwards, upwards, and outwards. You understand what I'm saying? So if you just like imagine a sphere, hollow out the sphere and fill it with magnets that are pointed from the right side, they point inwards, everything points inwards. Then you build a, a suspension system and, and maybe a locking mechanism to secure the vehicle to the ground if you need to extend it, if you want to rotate the thing up, because you want that whole wall, that hollow, like, you know, spheroid or hollow cube, if you wish, um, which you can make rotate if you want, um, which is even more effective, especially if you have multiple outer shells of rotation it creates when you turn it on it creates unbelievably powerful magnetic forces you get relatively close to a series of a building or a series of buildings you lock your shit down if it's gonna like you know move a lot cause like this is a lot of top heavy stuff you know so like you need like some sort of some way to secure yourself to the ground either with feet or with the new attachers which you can just use the ro- the the wire system to easily you know, they'll just drag behind you, then you they will attach to anything, they'll attach to yourself, they'll attach to the ground, they'll attach to um, you know, anything so you attach yourself to the ground you bring up your array so it's facing the building or series of buildings and you press one button that turns on all the magnets and you wait, like if you've done it right some not right, there is no wrong way to do this I mean, there's a way to, to make it so that it would totally not work, but even then, it still will work. It'll just take a lot longer for it to work. So you press the button, it turns on all the magnets, and then you wait. If you've done it pretty well, it'll take, like, you know, four seconds, and, like, maybe the first power line will snap. At that point, that power line will snap, and it will come to the center of your hollowed-out ball and it'll begin spinning there because all of these magnetic forces are working against each other to hold whatever it pulls right there and you wait another three seconds after that and then bam 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 girders start flying out of the biggest buildings these are concrete fucking sheet rock steel girders flying at you as you rip like a building vacuum like a vacuum of buildings a vortex a void a massive singularity machine that just sucks all the metal you are Magneto but Magneto is a fucking queer cause you got the real shit bam one building just fucking evaporates into, we're talking like hundreds of thousands of little parts all of which are fucking, you know very, very gorgeous, photorealistic exploding everywhere as you just, oh then then bam, go both towers at once, one on the right, one on the left they both go, oh they got sucked into them, and now you have this giant spinning ball of metallic death and it, oh, and then the further buildings, parts are flying off of them like Ghostbusters and shit. And oh, it's so great. And then, oh, but before the, but before those two other buildings that are further away can fall, uh, you, your giant ball of 
fucking detritus of all of the metal from all these buildings, which are now completely destroyed. They are not just like um reduced to rubble. There is no fucking rubble because you ripped. It's like ripping out the fillings in your teeth. How that would destroy your teeth. But at like, you know, a <laughs> 16-story scale. Oh, it is glorious! It's, it's so fucking cool! So now you have this giant spinning ball and it's still pulling other shit from, you know, the final two outbuildings or whatever. The uh, But you have this giant spinning ball and so you don't just deactivate the magnet, you reverse its polarity. So it explodes the ball into a hundred thousand flying pieces of steel death. And then you count to three, generally speaking, because you don't want to reactivate the magnet too quickly, because otherwise you'll suck them all back in. Then you reactivate the magnet. Then you, you wait about four seconds, and boom, down goes the center structure. Boom! The other two outstructures, they get sucked into you. That's how powerful you are. It's like, it's a it's amazing. It's amazing. And black hole generators, they're not just fun to look at and fun to play. And if you don't want to design any of this shit, you can just go on the Steam Workshop and find the guy who made the first the more any number of the black hole singularity generators or magnet generators or whatever the fuck they call them. It's you know, I call mine. Uh, I can't remember what I called mine. But anyway, alternatively, so I built a, because this this next challenge is for using skids, I decided that I wanted to use rockets more, and I've gotten very good at using rockets instead of tank treads as a propulsion method. So I built a giant robot that's like six, six connector, it's, it's a, it's three cubed, that's its center body and has two rows of pivots for its arms and those arms are two rows of six connectors uh, that are four connectors long on the sides I put rockets and I map them to be forward You know, I, I press up on the left stick and those rockets fire I put skids underneath all the parts and then I added a front nose skid. Then I added spikes on those two arms that are attached to the pivots. You, you understand what I'm saying? So you have like a, a center body, and then you have like these two arms, and they're all on skis powered by rockets. It's like um the size of a city block. Um, and the arms, because of the pivots, can crush whatever it's I call it the hug monster. But so I, I added these rockets for that all face rearwise across um the left and right sides I added like two rows of those guys I added, so it's like four rockets and then I added um two smaller rockets I jacked up all the two smaller rockets to the back middle part of the body and they're all on skis with suspension giant skis each one of these skis is the size of an office building the foundation of an office building, you know, it's so it's like it's like, you know, a quarter of a city block long, it's fucking, they're enormous skids and this thing is so heavy okay, so that that that, that accounts for the I, pre- I press up and all those rockets fire, 
the skis and the suspension and the weight keep me on the ground but allow me to climb even like a steep hill or, or like a uh uh what do you call it? a staircase hill even which are always problematic in the game it's why you need suspension on a lot of vehicles if you're not going to fly cuz flying is a very very easy thing to do and it's one of the most fun things to do using hot air balloons um and rockets or just rockets and pivot points that control your level and you can map them all to the same inputs and tweak the parts so that they all work in concert so you can create I I have done this I've created a flying um Deckard uh you know Blade Runner style hover car it's huge um but the reason why that design kind of failed was I didn't want to add anything to it because that was before they had lasers. Now I have lasers. There's also guns. I mean, you can put guns on these things. But the real deadly shit is, for me, the vehicle itself. And we're going to talk about one more. And we'll go five more minutes, all right, Ivor? We're going to go an hour and a half. So, on the hug monster, so that it can, and so I can fold myself into basically a cube. You understand what I'm saying? These the two pivot points that extend think of them as arms and I can just like clap like a like a monkey monkey shines you know like uh, the symbol monkeys you know what I mean but they instead of starting from like you know middle instead of the arms starting oriented in front of me my arms start as a giant wall as in like the T pose in most uh, animation software, if you like, or, or uh, um, make human. Although that starts in the the Y pose, but whatever, you know what the T pose is. So I look like a wall with no legs, just skis and rockets coming out my back. Now to make to give the ability to turn, I add two more sets of small rockets facing directly backwards. One on the left, one on the right. I actually create them using mirrored, you know, I press M and then I just put those two parts on one side and they're mirrored on the other side. These guys also face backwards, but these guys I'm, I give more power to, uh, or no, I don't, I, I, I max, I max their power as well, but these guys, the set on the left, I select each one and I remap it to left on the left stick or actually right on the left stick and then vice versa for the other pair on the other side so now I can actually rotate myself in 360 degrees and then press forward on the left stick and go straight forward this guy is fucking devastating today when I first woke up I spent 20 minutes and I made a thing that fires those, um, remember the, I said that you can't, uh, magnets can't attach themselves, but can attract the, um, the one weird free roaming metal ball that I had no idea why the fuck it existed until I saw someone make the ball cage trick. Well, I made a thing that fires those at ballistic speeds off of chains using a giant magnetic array with five saws that are as big as my house spinning on each one and it can pull them back it is the, when it works, it is the most devastating thing I've ever seen, it's also the most expensive and least 
practical. I've made balloons that, um, and this is before attachers, because attachers will attach to anything. The ground, other parts of your machine, even buildings, they're not that great at pulling down buildings. They're designed really to anchor your machine or to attach using a cable your machine to a detachable thing so you can independently, you know, blah. And there's other parts that do that. But don't get me wrong, the parts are not that complicated. So I'm just going to leave you with this last um, last thing. Oh, in the major update, though, also he finally added the ability to orient, to create an initial orientation for parts that move. So, like, if you have, like, a pivot, it used to just, like, pivots um... Pivots are like hinges, okay? Depending on how they're attached and how you use them, they can work that way or they can work like any other way. Many other ways. One of the best ways to make a great worm is just alternate uh, the direction that a pivot will move one after the other and make 50 pivots. And you just made a snake press up and you're like uh, anyway that's so much fun to just fucking experiment because the physics are so good generally generally speaking and, so, and even your disasters in this game are amazingly entertaining so last, last design I'll tell you about that I made and this is how I knew that I was getting better at oh and they also made flex beams which are they're pretty buggy right now, but they make a beam between any two points. They make a solid metal like, girder beam. So you can make, like, uh, easily make uh, triangular structures, uh, more semi-rounded structures, like if you want to make a giant Ferris wheel of death, and you you don't have to, like, fucking add all the intermediary, because it works on on a grid, base system, it's a three dimensional grid but you can't see it, but that's how the game anyway, it's so great and so intuitive, you will love it I've never met I've never found a game that lets you build things this complicated, this quickly, with this magnificent of physics animation, physics and animation engine, so I made this thing, I took uh I took the center of my my first block was a six way. I built six six ways, six six way connectors out from the center, left and right, in mirror. So it took six mouse clicks, and then I did it facing forward. So that's the X and Y of this thing. So you press start, bam, I'm just sitting there. Then I took flex pivots and I connected the outer arms to each other. So like the right arm to the uh, along the x-axis or the y-axis depending on how you want to think about it um, to the back arm of the y-axis. So we made like a two, we made four triangles basically. All of them connected. So it's kind of like a flying saucer thing. Then I put two rockets on the back facing down, or facing up so they w- so I put them on the bottom so the rockets are facing down that would make the thing spin forward, then I put two rockets facing down on the front 
which would exacerbate that spin, creating a gy- what I thought might be a gyroscopic effect. And boy, oh boy, was I right. So then I added, and I call this one unstable by design after a play I saw in uh, Bellingham. It was a very good play. Unstable by design has two rockets that fire in, in an independent way. Both of those rockets can only be fired by one button and you can't fire them independently. There are two si- there's an array of side rockets that face in an entirely different orientation that actually allow you to uh, steer a little bit because you're flipping end over end, ass over tea kettle and you're the size of a city block. And then I put giant chains with steel balls, two of each, on the front and on the back. And so this creates a centrifugal force machine that you can actually get good at controlling, but it spins so fast and moves so quickly and is so powerful once there's enough centrifugal force and when any of those balls touch a building it's gone! It's just fucking it's blam! It's a smear on the horizon, against the distant horizon. It, that's a total... Some people would regard that as a total failure. I regard that as my first major real design triumph. Because you can control it. Uh, it's not entirely reliable. It is unstable by design. It will chew through the demo city it might actually be faster than anything else that I've ever designed. I could go, I could go on and on and on and on and on, but um, yeah. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to convince Luke to come on to do a pre-recorded interview for the show. I really hope we can because I love this game and I'm going to keep beating the drum for this game because it's a game you need to play. If you ever played Besieged, Besiege, this is. Like that, but way better. You can do everything you could do in that, but much more. Um, and the rockets, and they still haven't added ailerons yet, but they are still, I can see their outlines. He has the models. He knows what he's doing. Luke is a fucking badass. And I hope that he takes a long vacation. For reals, like after this last update, it's just amazing. The game is phenomenal already. So he needs to take like two weeks off, I hope at least, and then come back to it, and then give us some ailerons, and uh, you know, get back to work on the editor, and stuff, but anyway so that's our mini feature about Instruments of Destruction, which is a game that took me too many hours, It could, not too many hours, I mean, it took me longer because I, f- I was an idiot, and I didn't understand, I wish that the game had done a better job of explaining to me that the tutorial sucks, I knew the tutorial sucked and the help messages kind of suck. But eventually, you know what? All parts like kind of do what they look like they're going to do, but some parts don't. But it's not like a complicated game where you have to do wiring or anything like that. No, you just snap together these parts and you make these super fast. You can make these articulated monster vehicles that just destroy. It's so good. So hopefully we'll get uh, the ability to interview him sometime in the coming weeks or months. Uh, that's our Instruments of Destruction episode. Uh, cheers, thanks for listening. Do please check out after like Wednesday um, or whenever you wish, please visit www.draculafactory.com D-R-A-C-U-L-A F-A-C-T-O-R-Y where we say 
Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. Hello. Thank you for calling the Dracula Factory Quality Assurance Fuck Line. Connecting you to your teammate now. This call may be recorded and monitored by your mom. Please be ready to show us on the Jesus doll where we touched you. Connecting. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.